Hey, welcome everybody. Good morning. Uh, welcome to River Glen. Welcome all of you here in, in Waukesha. And big welcome to those of you in, in Pewaukee and uh, those of you joining us online. So glad you're with us. Picked a really good weekend to, uh, to uh, be, be with us. Hey, uh, have you uh, enjoyed the uh, warmer weather we had uh, this past week? Felt pretty good, didn't it? We had a really tough uh, winter. I don't know if you know this, but we have four seasons in Wisconsin. Uh, almost winter, winter, uh, still winter, and uh, road construction season, which begins shortly. It's a tough, tough uh, winter. We learned a new word. I learned a new word, the polar vortex, right? Don't really like that word. Remember this day back in January? I think it was January 30th. Uh, minus 57 wind chill. Oof, it's colder than Siberia or Antarctica. And uh, when it wasn't uh, the polar vortex, it just wouldn't stop snowing. And some of us can relate to uh, Chris Farley, uh, Matt Foley uh, here. It just wouldn't stop snowing. Chris, uh, winter just seemed like it lasted uh, forever. We felt stuck. Some of us felt stuck in winter. Well, today I want to talk to you about seasons, but not weather seasons. Have you ever felt like you were stuck? in a season in your life. Uh, well, we're in week number uh, two uh, of a series called Jesus Is, leading up to Easter. And uh, it doesn't matter if you are skeptical about Jesus, curious about him, entering a relationship with him for the first time, or maybe you've followed him for uh, decades. There's always more to discover about the character of Jesus and the, and the new life that he uh, gives us. This weekend, I want to focus in on how Jesus is on mission, and he wants our, our help. And his mission's pretty simple. He wants to invite everyone into a relationship with God. Uh, and he wants, to, he, wants, he wants us to help him to extend that invitation to every person in the, in the uh, world. But we really need to understand how seasons can affect this mission. That's why when you came in today, you were handed a little packet. Looks like that right there. If you didn't get one, raise your hand. They'll come around and they'll give you one of these packets because inside there's some seeds. They're really little. They're basil seeds. There's some instructions in there, a scripture. You can take this home. You can actually grow the basil, all right? And uh, it can serve as a reminder of the mission that Jesus has for our lives. Now, we chose seeds uh, because Jesus often would teach by telling stories or parables. And today, I want to look at a story where Jesus talks about his mission in this world, but he uses the language of seeds and farming. Keep in mind, 2,000 years ago, everybody lived in an agrarian society. They based the economy on, on planting and growing and uh, harvesting crops and farmland. I mean, everybody in the audience who heard this story would have understood the importance of seasons. They knew there's a time to prepare, a time to plant, a time to grow, time to wait, and a time to harvest. And they understood that in farming and in life, seasons can be extremely unpredictable. Sometimes seasons can last longer than we expect. So in our scripture, Jesus begins to tell a story about a man with a bucket of seed. And this man goes around scattering seed, spreading seed wherever he goes. And the seed falls on four different types of soils. But in three of the four, the seed doesn't grow and it dies immediately. But on the last, the last of the seed falls on good fertile soil, and it grows 30, 60, 100-fold, which leads to an incredible season of uh, growth. Now, you might wonder, what do seeds, what does soil have to do with us here today? Well, uh, good news. Jesus is going to explain it for us where we pick up the scripture in Mark chapter 4. Jesus says, the farmer plants seed by taking God's word to others. In other words, each seed represents a truth and a promise 
of God. And God constantly tries to fill our lives with seed. When you're in church and you're listening to somebody teach the scriptures like you're doing right now, that's seed. When you're with a godly friend who uh, reads scripture out loud, that's seed. And the seed will either grow, either grows in a person's life or it doesn't. So Jesus talks about the first kind of soil. And here's what he says. That seed fell, that, that, that fell on that footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. Maybe this represents people who hear teaching from the scriptures, but they don't apply it to their life. And so these people, what they do is they drift back into some old habits and routines that they've always struggled with because the soil, their heart remains hard-packed. And uh, maybe they have an unteachable spirit. Pride and fear keep that seed from taking root. And then Jesus talks about a second soil. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Maybe this soil represents somebody who's brand new to the faith, and they just need more time to grow deeper roots. Or maybe it's the person with a shallow commitment to God, and as soon as they face problems and difficulties, they drift from the faith because they had a shallow commitment to God to begin with. The next soil Jesus talks about, the third soil, he says that seed fell among the thorns, It represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things. So no fruit is uh, produced. See, in this soil, people know what God wants them to do, but the pursuit of other things, our busy schedules, the demands of life, just squeezes God out out of our lives. Maybe they have a place for God in their life, but it's not first place. Quick time out for you to ask yourself a question. Do any of these first three types of soil represent your heart right now? It's always good to do an occasional soil analysis so that you're more like this fourth and final soil. Look at this. And the seed that fell on good soil represents those who hear and accept God's word. And this seed experiences incredible growth because when God transforms a person, when God redirects a person's life, it leads to extraordinary growth. And for me, there's nothing more exciting, nothing more inspiring than seeing this kind of transformation take place in a person's life where, where the seed lands on good soil, where a person discovers forgiveness and the hope of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Now, I want you to notice in this story, in this parable, the sower generously scatters seed. I mean, he's not placing, you know, one seed here and perfectly placing it. No, no, no. He's scattering seed everywhere. He's throwing seed everywhere. He says, this is for everyone. This is for every single person. And here's the point. Jesus wants you and I to participate in this mission, like this sower who generously spreads seed, scatters seed, Wherever he goes. Look at what the Apostle Paul says about the mission of Jesus to save people. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? See, unless someone scatters seed, they won't know about Jesus. They won't be saved. Unless somebody tells them, they won't experience the transformation in their life that only Jesus can bring. That's why God wants you and I to generously scatter seed and invite 
other people into a relationship with him. And that's why we launched the Pewaukee campus this last fall, to scatter more seed and invite people into a relationship with him. But it's not easy. Because as you scatter seed, you're going to go through seasons. And if you don't understand that you go through seasons, you might get discouraged and give up. So here's what I want to do today to prepare you for the four seasons that you'll go through when you go on mission with Jesus, generously scattering seed. Here's the first season. I'm going to call it the sowing season. We're going to begin with the obvious. If you want to see something grow, you've got to sow seed. In other words, if you want to see a person's life transformed, you've got to connect that person to Jesus. And you do that by sowing seed. If you notice in the story Jesus tells, the farmer's got one job. He focuses on one thing, sowing seed. He's not overly concerned about where the seed lands. He knows some of it's going to land on hard soil, rocky soil, thorny soil. But he's not in the soil business. He's in the seed-throwing business. And I bring this up because I think sometimes we tend to throw out seed, and it lands on bad soil, and we give up. But what if, like the farmer, our job is to focus on throwing and scattering as much seed as we can regardless of where it lands. I look back at my own life, and I'm just so grateful for the people who sowed seed into my family and into my life. You know, if I go way back before I came along, my parents got married, and they started to have kids, but they really had no meaningful connection to a church or to Jesus. They lacked joy and, and, and peace and purpose in their life until they bought a house in West Dallas next door to a couple, Howard and Shirley, who were leaders in a new church that started in Milwaukee, meeting at a YMCA. And this, this family next door, they began sowing seeds into my parents and my older brothers. Research shows that compared to established churches, new churches actually do a much better job spreading seed and reaching people who are unchurched and far from God. And that's how God reached my parents. And then I came along and grew up attending this church with my family. And so many people in this church sowed seed into my life. But at times, to be honest, the soil in my life was uh, rocky and hard or shallow. And I rejected some of those seeds. But it didn't stop them. They just kept scattering seed. And I'm so grateful they didn't give up on me. I wouldn't be here if not for this new church that sowed seed into my family and into my life. Maybe you find yourself thinking, you know, wouldn't it be great for my kids to grow up and genuinely follow Jesus? Wouldn't it be great for my family and my friends to come to church and hear about God's love and for God to change them? But if we just think about these things and we never do anything about them, we can't be surprised if seeds never grow because there was no seed to begin with. We gotta begin by sowing seed. And so I want to just briefly share with you three ways to sow seed. The first way is to pray. One of, the, one of the best ways to sow seed is to pray. Pray for your kids to follow Jesus. Pray for your, your spouse, your family, your coworkers, your schoolmates, your neighbors. Every single person that you know is one prayer away from receiving God's invitation. Now, that doesn't mean it'll just take one prayer, but it might so who in your life are you praying for that is far from God? Second way to sow seed is to model. One of the most powerful ways to sow seed is to just live our lives the way that Jesus wants us to live in, in our homes and in the workplace and at school 
and in our neighborhoods. Live your life in, in such a way that gets people wondering, what do they have that I don't have? And then maybe this goes without saying, but invite people to come to church. A recent study concluded that 82% of unchurched people said they would say yes to an invitation to attend church from a family member or a friend. 82%. And you know what? That number, that percentage goes up these, these next few weeks because people, unchurched people, are even more receptive to an invitation uh, to come to church at Easter time. I think we probably overcomplicate this a little bit. I know I do. It can be as simple as, hey, if you don't have a church to go to this Easter, you know, I'd love for you to come, come with me. It'd be great to have you come to our, to our church. You can also go to our website and send an evite. You can send an invitation on social media. So pray, model, invite, and you will sow seed. But here's the frustrating part about sowing seed. You're always going to go through another season. And I'm going to call this the rejection season. Something really stood out to me as I studied this, this parable, this story this week. Three out of uh, every four seeds got rejected by the soil it, it landed on. You know, it, it, the math in this story, Jesus told, amazed me. I mean, Jesus made up this story. He could have used any math that he wanted, but he chose a 75% seed rejection ratio. Think about it this way. Um, in baseball, the best hitters fail 70 to 75% of the time. Uh, for example, the Brewers signed a catcher, Yasmani Grandal, and last year he hit uh, just under 250, and uh, he's making $18 million uh, this, this year. Jesus says when it comes to sowing seed, you're going to hit about 250. Now, you're not going to make $18 million out of this. Okay, that's where the analogy breaks down. We're not going to make $18 million. But according to Jesus, when it comes to uh, sowing seed and reaching others, we're going to experience more rejection than reception. It's just a normal part of it. About 75% of the time, sowing seeds will involve rejection. So don't be surprised. And, and it's painful. I mean, nobody likes rejection. The times I've invited family and friends to come to church, and they're not interested. The times that I've tried to point friends to Jesus, and they still have yet to come to faith. I mean, those are heartbreaking moments for me. But it's a normal part of the process of sowing seeds. Maybe you've tried to scatter seed in, in people's lives. Maybe you've invited a neighbor Many times. Maybe you've prayed for a son or a daughter to come back to God. Maybe you've asked, pleaded, begged for your spouse to come with you to church. And because rejection is painful, maybe you've given up. You know, at times I've given up as well. But what if, what if the next seed, the next invitation, the next prayer is the one that lands on good, on good soil. Uh, don't give up. Look at what Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians. He says, I planted uh, the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. In other words, the growth, the results are all ultimately not up to us. You might be the one who helps a person uh, for the first time experience the love of God. You might be the one who gets a person to come to church for the first time, but let's be clear. It is God who makes the seed grow. And, and sometimes I think we incorrectly believe that a seed has been rejected when it's really this third season, the waiting season. You know, none of us like to wait, right? None of us like to hear the words, you know, this may take a while at the DMV or at the uh, doctor's office or the mechanic, this may take a while. Uh, you know, when 
Uh, you're in labor. You know, it's painful to hear those words. This may take a while. Right, guys? Yeah, I'm kidding, obviously. Uh, but when a, you plant a seed, I mean, there's never instant growth. There's never an immediate uh, response. You know, for example, I brought along a, a, plant, a potted plant here, and uh, it'd be kind of ridiculous if I said to you, okay, I want you to stick around after the service and wait, and we'll see the seed grow. I mean, that's ridiculous, because anytime you plant a seed, there's always going to be a waiting season. There's always going to be an interval of time after you plant that seed before it, it, it grows. And sometimes, here's what I think we do. We move on. We give up before we've given something adequate time to grow. So let me ask you, is there a seed you planted and you just need to wait it out? And I know this is a really tough season. I'm guessing some of you, some of you might have a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter. And you've been planting seeds and you've been praying and you've been begging God. And you've been in this season of waiting. Maybe there's a person that you've invited, a neighbor you tried to love, a friend you've asked to come back to church. But what if that seed isn't dead at all? What if it's still in the ground? I like this quote from author and speaker Christine Kane. She says, just because things aren't going the way you planned, it doesn't mean they're not going the way that they should. Sometimes the seed is still alive in the ground. Sometimes God is working in a person's heart. So don't give up. And move on. Wait it out. Because if you do, you won't miss out on this fourth and final season. And that is the growth season. I mean, this is the season you waited for. I mean, you have, you've gone through lots of sowing and enduring rejection and waiting longer than you wanted to wait. And you finally get to the growth season. This is payoff time. You get that answer that you wanted. Maybe your spouse comes with you to church. Maybe your friend has come back to the faith. Maybe your child, your son, your daughter decides to get baptized next weekend. Uh, maybe your neighbor agrees to come with you for Easter in three weeks, whatever it is. This is growth season. Can you imagine one day, you know, standing before God in heaven and seeing all these people who are, who are there as a result of the seeds that you planted, the invitations that you extended, the prayers that you prayed? It's going to be an awesome day. Here's a question to ask yourself. Are you willing to endure Every season of, of sowing, of rejection, of, of waiting. Are you willing to endure through every season, no matter how long it takes? So here's my challenge for you today to get on mission with Jesus. Invite someone to attend with you this, this Easter. Is there a person in your life that needs an invitation? And I know it's not easy to uh, invite someone. I get that. But it comes down to this. If we want to see more growth in other people's lives, if we want to see more transformation in their life, if we want to spread the message of Jesus, it's our job to keep sowing more seeds. It's our job to keep scattering more seeds. And Easter weekend coming up in three weeks is a great opportunity for all of us to sow seed. Our team is, is, is put together a very impactful service. Don't be kicking yourself sitting in here on Easter thinking, oh, I should have invited so-and-so. Go ahead and do that. Invite them, and maybe they will say yes. And maybe that seed will land on some good soil and uh, begin to grow in their life. I want to challenge you to sow seeds this Easter. But today, I also want to celebrate and appreciate some friends of ours who are great examples, great leaders when it comes to sowing seeds. 
Uh, River Glen started 22 years ago, and from day one, we have made it our goal to help plant new churches. This is part of our DNA as, as a church because we can't think of a better way to sow seeds than plant new churches. If you study the New Testament, you'll see the Apostle Paul did this. He traveled around and he, he uh, planted churches, new churches, sowed seed and planted churches. Everywhere that, that he would go, rest of the New Testament, most of the books in the New Testament are simply letters that Paul wrote to these new churches to encourage them. Sometimes people ask this question. They ask, do we really need more churches? Do we really need to plant more New churches, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, do you know this? Every year, thousands of churches close their door. Look at this research here. 2017, 3,700 churches closed uh, permanently. They anticipate that number to grow to over 5,000 churches uh, shutting their doors for the last time over the next 30 years. We're losing ground. We want to gain ground, right? And the way to do that is to plant more new uh, churches. Look at this next quote from uh, researcher Ed Stetzer. He says, if every church in America were filled up twice to capacity every Sunday, which, I mean, they're not, not even, not even close, but I mean, let's just imagine hypothetically they were filled up to capacity every Sunday, we would be nowhere near able to accommodate the population, much less positioned to accommodate the growing birth rate. I mean, I can't overstate it. The need for planting churches is great. It goes back to the mission of Jesus and sowing seeds. And that's why we prioritize church planting. And that's why I'm so glad you're here. I want you to meet and hear from some of our church planters right after this video. Take a look. This is amazing grace. And this is a failing I am Pastor Noël Jesper. I'm working in Onaville since 2010 after the earthquake. American people are blessed people because, because they have a have to bless other people, especially needed people. Thank you, American people.
Hi, my name is Ike Miller, and this is my wife, Sharon. Hi. And we are planting Bright City Church here in the Raleigh-Durham area of North Carolina. And we just wanted to say a huge thank you to River Glen for partnering with us in this mission that God has called us on. exciting how God is uh, working and you know, through these uh, new churches and uh, I'm really excited to have our, our church planters, some of our church planters here with us. I want to take a moment and introduce them. Uh, some of you know Dre Drawn from Legacy Christian Church in Menominee Falls. Next to him is Ely Hisbani from Ethnos Church in Milwaukee. Brandon Stevenson from uh, One Church in Pittsburgh and Brian Hoffmeister from Lake Point Church over in Muskego. I asked these guys to share with us they would share with us a story of a seed that grew in somebody's life through their uh, church. And uh, they're going to take turns, and I'm going to ask Ely to go ahead and go first. Good morning. Yes, Pastor uh, Ben asked me to, to share two minutes. So he doesn't know that uh, two minutes are 20 minutes in our culture. So as the Holy Spirit leads, so we'll see. No, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I will stick with um, two American minutes. So first of all, I want to thank you for planting lots of seeds, and especially a unique seed at Athnos. Athnos Church vision is to be like a mustard seed that grows into a tree. And people from all kind will come like birds to find rest. We are a multi-ethnic urban and mission church in downtown Milwaukee. Athnos continues to be a thriving church plant and a vital part of the city of Milwaukee. I want to share, you, to share a couple stories of how God has been working among single mom and children. Many of our church member, members come from broken families. One of them is a single mother who works full-time and is raising five children. She had uh, previously attended our church, but stopped when she had to work hard more to pay her bills. I was able to meet with her and her children and convinced them to come back to church. She came back to, to Athnos, and during the altar call, she came forward for prayer, not only herself, but also the entire family. It was a blessing and touching moment to see her and her children crying out to the Lord to save and help them. Many other single mothers don't come often to Athnos, but they send their entire children to attend the service. They walk to church and even bring their baby sister along. They feel welcomed at the church. It is a safe and secure place. And I believe 
the church is the safest place for everyone, and especially for the children. Please pray that God will raise workers at Athos for Sunday school for children. A Hispanic woman attended our church and needed prayer for healing from breast cancer. She also asked the Lord to save and heal her. God answered the prayers and she got healed both physically and spiritually. She decided to get baptized to be, to be a light and an example for her family. Today she brings the entire family and her sister and mother on a regular basis to church. During five years and through many prayers, planting seeds and proclaiming the gospel, we experienced a spiritual breakthrough in many areas in the most segregated city in the nation. We have reached over 500 families and more than 80 adults accepted Christ as their savior. Hundreds of children heard the gospel through at least 20 vacation Bible schools. Many accepted Christ. Through hospitality outreaches, we have connected with people for, from more than 17 different nationalities. Finally, we believe the work of Athnos is still at the beginning stage. In fact, the seed you planted is growing. But to be continuing to thrive, it needs oxygen and water. This is a symbol for partnership with you and with other churches, which is essential for our church plant. And we totally understand that we cannot reach the nations in the city of Milwaukee alone. We need you. Please continue to think and pray for our church and my family as we move forward to help grow and multiply Athos in every level and plant more seeds in the life of all people in Milwaukee. Thank you, and God bless you. Well, sure, I'll, story I'll share with you is uh, something that kind of came to me last night. Uh, ben and Marnie, extremely hospitable people. They invited my family, as well as the uh, other gentlemen here and their families over for dinner last night. And my first opportunity to meet uh, your son, Will. I had never met him before. And uh, for some reason, it just kind of formed a connection for me. And I compelled to bring my nine-year-old son, Cole, over to meet Will. And I said, Cole, meet Will Davis. This is a church planter kid just like you. And uh, Will, Will's how old right now? 23. So he was like one years old when the church started. Yeah, so my son, Cole, was two years old when we planted Lake Point Church. And I'm pretty sure that means that the boys like Will and Cole are not going to grow up remembering every season of this church. Uh, he's not going to remember the season where we were doing folding chairs in the high school or the season where he's riding on top of our sound cart on, on the way to set up or uh, the season where he'd put his pudgy little hand on the window from his car seat and say, Dad, church, and he's looking at Muskego High School. I, I wish that season would stick around. But some of these seasons, I think, will stick with him. Like the season that began when he was five years old and Lake Point was moving out of the high school into a facility and dad's up there telling people every Sunday, this is not about us, this is about someone else. So make sure when that church opens that first Sunday in December, bring someone else with you. So my son Cole turns to, to a friend on the bus says, hey, you coming to church with me? 
kindergartners. Little mousy best friend of his. I mean, kindergartners are small to begin with, but this best friend of his is like a head shorter than everyone else in the kindergarten. Giant, thick glasses, but man, that tiny little mousy friend came to church the opening day in our new building. Along with mom, along with dad and brother and sister. I, I knew the family a little bit. What I didn't know is that for the past decade, God had put it on their heart. We really ought to figure out who God is and go to a church. Ten years of their married life, and they just hadn't gone yet. Now, one of them didn't have any church background at all. I think they, uh, the dad got invited to a youth group a couple times in his teen years. He couldn't remember what was said, so that was all his church background. And the wife grew up uh, in kind of this mixed home where one of the parents uh, was a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, the other parent or grandparent was a Catholic. So she kind of alternated between Jehovah's Witness and Catholic and wasn't sure who God was growing up. But God put something in their heart for 10 years. They're thinking, we ought to try something like this. And so a couple of kindergartners talking on a school bus one day means that they showed up to the opening of a new building. They spent their first December and their first Christmas as a family together going to church. This has never happened before. And she started serving with kids. He started serving uh, with, with our website. And one of them uh, was baptized. And this past month, uh, several years later, one started going to our, our group in our, our home. And, and their lives are getting changed. And, and here's why I'm sharing Cole's story instead of my own story. This isn't my story. This is my this is my son's story. It, it, it's because it's really important that we learn how to sow seeds. River Glen, it's really, really important that we learn how to raise up seed sowers. And, and that's what can happen. We're, we're little stories like Cole Hoffmeister in kindergarten. Grow up learning how to sow seeds because he's in a seed-sowing church that got planted. And young adults like, like Will Davis know how to sow seeds because 22 years ago he started growing up in a seed-sowing church like River Glen. So, so moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandmas, grandpas, uh, understand this. This next generation is not the future of the church. The next generation is the church today. And they're learning what that is by watching us. And, and that's what's at stake as we're sowing seeds. They're learning how to be seed sowers. And uh, I think this is where the fame of King Jesus really spreads from here. Good word. Thank you there. Wow. It is good to be back at River Glen. I spent three years here. My wife, who's the executive director at Legacy, she spent 17 years here. We love Pastor Ben and we love Marnie. Uh, we love the River Glen people, and it's good to be back. Two years ago, Shirley and I took a step of faith, and we went to Legacy. And over the last two years, we have seen God transform many, many lives. In the last two years, 105 people have been baptized at Legacy. And I want to tell you a story about a, a young man uh, that made one bad decision, and he spent 10 years in prison. He gets out of prison, he starts coming to Legacy, and he finds hope, he finds healing, he finds forgiveness. That's only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And he gets water baptized. He gets involved in the group and he begins to grow in his faith. And now today, he is over security of our parking lot every week at Legacy. Only God can take an ex-con and put him over security at a church. Is God not amazing? 
We had a family of five show up, and they're a wonderful family, a great family, mom and dad, three teenagers. Uh, but something was missing. Uh, it seemed like their family didn't have no purpose or had no, no life, and something was missing. And they found Christ, who brings peace, who brings hope, who brings purpose. I can remember the Sunday that Cheryl and I was there, and, in the, and, in, and as we had a chance to baptize, there was mom, there was dad, and three teenagers, and they all got baptized together. Guess what they're doing today? They're on one of our hospitality teams, and Cheryl and I love walking to the kitchen, and we go in there, and there they are. There's mom and dad and the three teenagers, and they're preparing the communion elements. They're putting together the coffee and treats. Cheryl and I get to see firsthand the seeds that have been sown by others. And finally, there's a ministry that we support in Milwaukee, uh, and they have a couple homes there for teenage girls. And a lot of these girls, they've been abused physically, mentally, emotionally. A lot of them have been sexually abused. They've been abandoned by their mother and father, and for some reason or another, they're not able to uh, be taken care of, and they're homeless. And they come to these homes where they can find hope, where they can find restoration. They can learn skills uh, to continue their life and hopefully move forward and graduate. Well, some of the leaders started coming to Legacy. Then all of a sudden, they started bringing some of the girls to Legacy. And you could see the transformation. You know, these girls are hurt, and they come there, and they see this six-foot-six, uh, loud, outgoing southern guy, and they kind of freak out, you know. Probably like some of you are freaking out right now, okay? But we've seen over time what love does, the power of love, and how our people have embraced them and loved them and been there to help them. And here's a really cool thing. Three weeks ago, four of those girls got baptized. I got to tell you guys, that's the God we serve. That's the God we serve. He specializes in restoring broken lives. That's why it's so important for you to sow the seed. I love the message today, Pastor Ben. Great message today. Guys, we got to keep sowing the seeds. we got to keep sowing the seeds. I'm reminded. You know, the Apostle Paul, he encouraged us. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, listen to what Paul said. He says, do not grow weary in doing good. Do you think sowing seeds is a good thing? Come on now, talk to me. You think sowing seeds is a good thing? Yeah, turn to your neighbor and say, let's sow some seeds. All right. It's a good thing. He says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For if we will not give up, if we will not quit, if we will not lose hope, but if we'll keep sowing the seeds, guess what the Scripture says? We will reap a harvest. So I want to encourage you today. Thank you guys for the seeds you have sown in all these churches. Continue to sow the seeds. There's a harvest to be won. Thank you. Yeah, I love hearing those stories. Lots of seed stories. And I got one more that we want you to hear. I know uh, many of you know Brandon Stevenson. He was on our staff for eight years before Brandon and Danielle moved to Pittsburgh to start one church. Brandon's going to share a seed story, and then he's going to lead us into communion. Our communion is open to anyone who follows uh, Jesus. But we're going to do communion differently today. The trays are going to come down your row, and I want you to hold the cup. Hold the cup until uh, Brandon will lead us, and we'll all take it uh, together. So uh, let's welcome uh, Brandon Stevenson. River Glen, it is good to be back with you guys. Uh, I, I miss you guys. But uh, the story I want to share is about uh, a lady named Mary Ellen. Uh, Danielle, my wife, and I got connected to Mary Ellen uh, because Mary Ellen's daughter, Taylor, 
And my oldest son, Noah, became boyfriend and girlfriend in preschool uh, a little over a year ago. But that's where all great romances start, right? And, uh, you know, when, when little Taylor, her daughter, starts coming home and saying, I'm going to marry Noah when I grow up, that, that raises some questions. Who's Noah? And uh, that uh, allowed us to uh, connect with Marianne. Danielle and her became Facebook friends, so they could set up play dates for the lovebirds to hang out outside of preschool and all that good stuff. And, uh, but then uh, we got to kind of hear a little more about Marianne's story. You see, Marianne was a lady who was connected with her church uh, a while back. She served at it. She gave to it. She was invested in it. She was part of that community. And then Marianne fell in love and, and married a, a Jewish man and something that their, her church frowned upon to the point where they kicked her out of that church. And Marianne is now without a church and she's understandably frustrated and kind of angry at church in general. Uh, and that's the, you know, the, the path of life is taking her at that point. And then a little later on, Mary Ellen's mom, who is her best friend, her mentor, taught her so much in life, one of the nicest people uh, by her story that you'd ever meet, was tragically killed in a car accident. So now Mary Ellen is angry at the church, and she's angry at God, wondering why God would ever let this stuff happen to somebody. Why would God allow someone like her mother be taken uh, from this earth? So Mary Ellen is now going throughout life without church, without a faith and hope in God, and she starts feeling the gap that's left behind there. And she starts getting in this depressed state and just struggling with life to the point where her boss, and this is probably where the seed got planted, her boss was sitting across from her one day and said, there's something off with you, there's something missing, it's like I don't even know you anymore. And Mary Ellen felt that, and she left that day and got into her car and she verbally screamed, God, where are you, do you even care? Wondering what is God up to if this is the life that she is living. Well, later that night, Mary Ellen is mind-numbingly just scrolling through Facebook like a lot of us do. And she comes across a post that Danielle shared on her Facebook page about one church, just inviting people to church. And Mary Ellen just felt this need to explore this, this, this desire to find her way back to God. And so she messaged Danielle really late at night. It's like 10.30 at night one night. And she goes, hey, what, what, could, I, could I come to your church? Would I be welcome to come to your church? Which Danielle's like, absolutely, of course you're welcome to come. Well, a couple Sundays later, Mary Ellen came for the first time, and sure enough, she like, sits like right like center of the, of, the, of the bleachers that we were at at the school, and uh, I see her, and we kick off a brand new series that we're doing called Finding Your Way Back to God. Can't make that stuff up. And she's in tears the whole time, and she starts sharing more of her story with me after service, and she starts coming back. She starts bringing her daughter with her every single week, probably so her and Noah can you know, reconnect, but... Um, they go to Starbucks every Sunday after church, and they start sharing about what they're learning about God together, which was so cool. But that seed started growing, and this past January, Mary Ellen took the step to give her life to Christ and be baptized. In fact, one of the baptisms you saw in that video was Mary Ellen. Now Mary Ellen is a part of our church, part of our one church family. She's in a small group. She's on a, serving in the children's ministry team. She takes notes on Sundays so she can give the sermons to her friends and coworkers and things like that during the week. Because now she's sowing seeds herself. And the reason we do that, the reason we can celebrate moments like Mary Ellen and hear the stories from these other pastors behind me, is because we're all united for the same thing. And that's helping people know and follow Jesus Christ. Because it's in him and through his death and resurrection that we all can have hope. We all can have life. And we all now have this amazing responsibility to go sow seeds so other people can know that truth themselves. And so together, and this is actually how we take communion at one church every week. We take it together as, as, as one church. And I want to do that together today as River Glam. 
we're going to take this communion that unites all of us. And so together we take the bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ that was broken for us. And together we drink the juice that represents the blood that was shed for us. And it's because of that that we have life. It's because of that that we continue to sow seeds. Thanks, River Glen. Great to do that together. Great to share communion together as, uh, as one family. We really are uh, one church in God's eyes. I'm going to go ahead and invite the, uh, the wives to come up and, and join the uh, pastors on the stage. We're going to pray over them in just a moment. And uh, while they make their way up, I want to encourage you to keep this uh, uh, brochure that lists all the different uh, church plants that we've uh, helped with. And use that as a prayer guide. There's, there's actually a description of each church and also a prayer request specific to that church. So be sure to keep them in your uh, prayers. And uh, before we pray, I want to just share with you a few, a few seed sowing uh, numbers that uh, we did a little bit of math. And we, we learned that uh, just with the church plants, the churches that we've helped plant, uh, they have baptized uh, 872 people, uh, almost 900 uh, people. And yeah, that's great. That's a lot of seed. And uh, this past Christmas, when you add up uh, our attendance and uh, their attendance, all the church plants' attendance, over nine over nine thousand people, almost ten, just under ten thousand people, heard the message of Jesus in these churches this past Christmas. That's a lot of seed. And um, I'm really grateful to uh, each each one of these uh, couples, the families, uh, these uh, churches. And uh, I want to pray for them, and I want to invite you. Would you please stand with me, uh, both campuses? Please stand with me. And I want to invite you, if you would, both campuses or whatever your location, if you would just hold your hand out you know, toward uh, these couples up here on stage, uh, these pastors on stage, to represent God's blessing, conveying God's blessing on their lives and uh, their leadership and their families and their churches. And so let me lead us in prayer. God, thank you for the privilege that we all have to get on mission with you and sow seeds so that more people can find and follow Jesus. And God, I just pray that all of us will scatter a lot of seed this Easter. God, I want to thank you for each, each pastor, each church planter here. God, thank you for their courage, their willingness to plant a new church. Thank you for their wives and their, and their family. And I know they go through... Uh, different seasons, and seasons can be unpredictable. God, I, I pray that you'll encourage them and strengthen them and protect them so that they can keep sowing more seed. We need them. We need them to keep scattering more seed. God, we know we plant the seeds, but ultimately you grow them, and so we pray for that you'll bring an even greater harvest in the future. And we pray this in Jesus' name.